You are listening to an Elftree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our feature presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing. Is not a flattering thing. I get it's that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network, it, and it's it, a lie that's a willing. That that's a lie that they're conscious of. It's not a mistake. Yeah. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Well, the FDA put this thing out. You saw that. Did you see the thing that the FDA put out? What did the FDA put out? <laughs> it was a tweet, and it was snarky. I admit it. They said, you are not a horse, you are not a cow, stop taking this stuff, or something like that. Why would you say that when you're talking about a drug that's been given out to billions and billions of people, a drug that was responsible for one of the inventors of it making Nobel the Prize. Prize. Nobel Prize in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, no, a, a drug well, that has been shown... Run. Run. Planet Earth, about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Is to leave with us. From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off the grid and independent living. You're listening to Exit the Cult. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to, you know it, Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together. It's October 15th, 2021. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday, y'all. For real. I love Fridays. It always, I don't know, I just feel like the air is crisper. I feel like there's some some weird energetic thing that happens. Maybe it's just all placebo mental. I don't know. But uh, I just wanted to uh, say thank you for being here. And uh, we got a jam-packed show as usual, full of interesting things that I have sourced throughout the week. And I'm going to share them with you on today's episode. I wanted to give a quick little happy birthday shout out to this, uh, this month, my brother, Steven. My sister Amy and Teresa had birthdays, and I just wanted to wish them a happy birthday. I love them dearly. Um, we're all very far apart from each other. Got a brother in New York, sister in Philadelphia, sister in Austin. Um, and uh, yeah, we just, it's very rare that we're together. And so um, I miss them, and I just wanted to wish y'all a happy birthday if you're listening. So be sure to give them a follow on Instagram. My sister Amy, she does uh, yoga every morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So she's over in Philadelphia, but her motto is practice, play, punk, pray. You can literally do yoga with her every morning if you want. She takes tips and it's through Zoom. So you can just hang out in your living room and do yoga with her. She's a badass. You'll love it and she'll kick your ass. 
So check her out. A-M-M-I-E underscore Morales, M-O-R-A-L-E-Z underscore yoga. Also, be sure to check out my sister, Teresa Morales Art on Instagram. She does a lot of live poetry readings and she's a painter. She does a lot of badass shit. So check her work out. She's constantly interacting with her audience. And um, yeah, so check her out at Teresa Morales Art. And then my younger sister, Melissa, I didn't really wish her a happy birthday. Her birthday was back in June. I wasn't doing the show at the time, but I wanted to give her a shout out as well because she's living down in Guadalajara and she has a company called Loba Loba Retreats. And they do a lot of retreat planning, workshops, classes, community impact, responsible travel stuff. So check her out at Loba Loba Retreats on Instagram. So happy birthday, y'all. I love y'all. And Mel, happy belated birthday. So let's get into this, you guys. We've got our cult of the day. It is, it's some crazy shit. So we are getting into the narco-satanists. They were dubbed Los Narcosatanicos by Mexican newspaper El Universal, which translated into English means the narco-satanists. Others refer to them as the Matamoros cult for the border town where their compound was located, or simply Palo Mayombe, the name of the Afro-Cuban religion they warped to their own bloody ends. Shepherded by the charismatic cult leader Adolfo Constanzo and his witch, Sarah Adred... <laughs> I love it when they... I love it when people are referred to as a witch. It's just such a funny, I don't know, it's just a funny thing. It's like, she's a witch! I don't know. I don't know. I, it's just, uh, uh, whatever. Her name was Sarah Aldrete. They were responsible for 15 murders, maybe more. Probably more, you guys. These people were involved in the in the cartels. You think they're, you think 15's gonna cut it those days? Come on. 15 murders? That's amateur hour. You know there were more. Their victims were tortured, then ritualistically slain. Human sacrifices, they believed, bestowed supernatural powers upon them and their associates in Mexico's infamous drug cartels. Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo was born in Miami, Florida in 1962. His mother was a Cuban immigrant, and both she and Adolfo's grandmother were santeras, priestesses in the Santeria religion, according to a feature in Rolling Stone magazine. Santeria, like Haitian voodoo, is a syncretic religion which blends elements of Christianity with polytheistic religions brought from West Africa to the Caribbean during the Atlantic slave trade. Adherents seek favor with different representational deities and make offerings to them, including food, with ritualistically slaughtered chickens being the most common. In Miami, Constanzo's neighbors complained of dead animals being left at their doors after confrontations with his family. His mother was later arrested for harboring 27 animals in her small apartment, which had floors smeared with blood and feces, according to the LA Times. Constanzo allegedly studied voodoo in Palo Mayombe, which traces its roots back to the Congo River Basin. In Palo Mayombe, offerings are made to the gods in a ceremonial cauldron known as Naganga, which contains consecrated sticks and bones. While these are most often sourced from animals, followers of Palo Mayombe have been blamed for grave robberies, including the theft of bones and body parts at three South Florida cemeteries in 2018, according to the Miami Herald. Fair-skinned and handsome, Constanzo worked as a male model before moving to Mexico City in 1984. There he began offering spiritual cleansing and magic spells to the city's elite, including celebrities and politicians. Kind of sounds like that uh, spirit cooking witch that's been doing all the... Uh, weird shit with celebrities here in the States. Her name is Marina Abramovich. She's kind of been connected to the very shady, very, very shady politicians that are currently running the show. The Obamas, the Podesta brothers, 
and uh, many, many others. So let's get back to that. Drug cartels also sought him out for mystical protection during smuggling runs and turf wars, according to the LA Times. Openly bisexual, Constanzo had multiple male and female lovers who he began recruiting into his cult. They referred to him as El Padrino, the Godfather. Among them was a tall, pretty college student named Sarah Adrete, who would become his second in command and was known as La Madrina, the Godmother. Sarah Maria Adrete Virial was born in 1964 and grew up middle class in Matamoros, Tamulapas, Mexico, near the border with the United States. She attended high school and later college across the Rio Grande River in Brownsville, Texas. At Brownsville's Texas Southmost College, Aldrete was a straight A student and a cheerleader for the soccer team. She was also fascinated by the occult and new people in the Mexican drug trade through Serafin Hernandez Garcia, who attended Texas Southmost with her and his uncle, Elio Hernandez Rivera, whom she dated, according to the magazine Texas Monthly. The Hernandezes were members of a large family with relatives on either side of the border who made their money smuggling marijuana. Mexican authorities claim that at the height of their power, they smuggled as much as a ton per week and that their distribution network stretched from Mexico to Michigan. Nice. It's a nice little enterprise. Presiding over his criminal enterprise was Sal Hernandez Rivera, Elio's older brother. Following his 1987 assassination, the family was beset by arrests and infighting. Elio emerged as the gang's new leader and turned to Constanzo for supernatural help and guidance. Aldrete took part in his initiation ceremony, according to the LA Times. Increasingly, the members of the Hernandez gang fell under Constanzo's sway. He became their high priest and further enmeshed himself in their operations, performing ritualistic animal sacrifices that he claimed would help their business prosper and protect them from police and bullets, according to the Chicago Tribune. Constanzo and his followers eventually set up operations at Rancho Santa Elena, property owned by the Hernandez family in Matamoros, and less than a mile from the border. According to Constanzo, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the power it bestowed. Soon he was demanding human victims to offer up to the gods. The cult's first victims were rivals in the drug trade, members of other gangs, or corrupt cops who were brought back to the ranch where they were tortured and ritualistically slain. Body parts were put in the naganga and boiled, like a cauldron, making a foul brew that cult members then drank, believing it made them invisible and bulletproof. Some wore necklaces made from their victims' vertebrae. Damn, you guys, these cult members are fucking mental. I don't know how else to say it. Now, if you're in that, if you're if you're part of the narco satanists and you're listening to Exit the Cult, you know, no hard feelings. I just think it's weird to drink that kind of shit. That's just me. That's just me. I'm also a vegetarian, so we're probably at odds with a lot of things. But I'm also a fan of weed, so maybe that's the only thing we have in common. I don't know. Maybe some Mexican food? Hmm? Constanzo made Elio Hernandez an executioner priest, branding his chest and arms with sacred marks. Hernandez once ordered his henchmen to bring him the first male they could find for sacrifice. It was only after lopping off his hooded victim's head with a machete that he realized he had killed one of his own nephews, according to Texas Monthly. In early March 1989, Constanzo ordered his followers to bring him an Anglo male for his next human sacrifice, according to Salt Lake City's Desiree News. He believed his offering would grant even greater supernatural powers to himself and his followers. Mark James Kilroy of Santa Fe, Texas, would fit most people's idea of the all-American male. Tall and athletic, 
with sandy blonde hair. He attended the University of Texas at Austin. He was a Longhorn, where he was studying to become a doctor. When classes let out on March 10th, 1989, Kilroy and three friends traveled to South Padre Island, Texas for spring break. They planned to spend their days at the beach and their nights partying south of the border. Kilroy had just turned 21. In the early morning hours of March 14th, cult members snatched Kilroy off a side street in Matamoros where he had been bar hopping. He was taken back to the ranch, possibly tortured and sodomized, then slain by Constanzo with a machete chopped to the back of his head. God, fucking psychos. His brain and spinal column were then removed for ritual use and his body was dismembered for easy burial. Unfortunately for Constanzo and his followers, they could have hardly picked a worse victim. Kilroy's uncle was a special agent with the U.S. Customs Service, and within days, his disappearance was reported to UPI and investigated by multiple law enforcement agencies from both countries. Believing himself to be invisible, Serafin Hernandez Garcia drove past a police roadblock in Metamoros on April 1st, 1989. Authorities gave chase and led him straight back to the Rancho Santa Elena. An initial search of the property turned up 65 pounds of marijuana and a ritual shed which contained Constanzo's naganga, his cauldron. Mexican police allegedly refused to continue the investigation until a healer known as Corandero came and purified the site to cast out any evil spirits, according to the Texas Monthly. A caretaker on the property said he recognized Kilroy from a photograph police showed him. His body was exhumed along with 14 others, according to Oklahoma's Tulsa World newspaper. Police found members of Hernandez's gang to help dig up bodies of their victims. By April 13th, Elio and Serafin Hernandez and two other gang members had been arrested and confessed to multiple murders. Their high priest and his closest confidants, however, evaded capture for another month. Mexican police eventually tracked Constanzo, Aldrete, and several other cult members to an apartment building in Mexico City. On May 6, 1989, Constanzo spotted a police car outside the building, picked up a machine gun, and began firing. Quote, he grabbed a bundle of money and threw it and began shooting out the window. End quote. Cult member Alvaro de Leon Valdez told authorities to the New York Times. He said everything was, everything was lost. Following a 45-minute gun battle, Constanzo ordered de Leon Valdez to shoot him and his lover, Martin Quintana Rodriguez, rather than let them be captured alive. He did what he was told, riddling them with machine gun fire. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Kill us both. They're just holding hands or hugging or whatever the fuck. And then he's just like, brr, brr. God, that's fucked. Aldretti was apprehended as she tried to flee the apartment. Quote, he said, let's all die, but I didn't want to die. She told authorities, according to the LA Times. In May 1994, Sarah Aldretti was sentenced to 62 years in prison, according to the Associated Press. At the same time, Elio and Serafin Hernandez and two other cult members were sentenced to 67 years in prison which was reduced to a 50-year sentence in 1998. Incredible. So yeah, they were just uh, sacrificing humans out in, uh, out on a ranch with a cauldron, smoking some weed. So note to self, you guys, don't drink the cauldron juice. Oh, sick. You are listening, listening to Exit, to Exit the, the Cold, cold. Only, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Publishing. Enjoy. 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 Hey. Enjoy. Hey. Hey. You. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey. Hey. You. Enjoy. Yeah. You. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Rolling Stone magazine, everybody's favorite music magazine. Always telling the truth when it comes to music, not when it comes to politics. Red Hot Chili Peppers, almost done with first album with John Frusciante since 2006. The Red Hot Chili Peppers had a very productive pandemic. They're almost done recording their first new album with guitarist John Frusciante since 2006's Stadium Arcadium with longtime producer Rick Rubin on board as well, according to drummer Chad Smith. Quote, we're getting along great, says Smith, who's one of the stars of Netflix's new drummer-themed documentary, Count Me In. John's been back for a while now, so it feels completely natural. We're really listening to each other in a new way. Smith was careful not to reveal details of the album's release date, but the band does plan to have it out before they launch their U.S. stadium tour next June. Bruciani, who lays Stadium Arcadium with elaborate guitar overdubs and vocal harmonies, seems to be in a similar mode this time around. Quote, He's so dedicated. He's so into it. He's working so hard. We're all working hard. But he's in there with all the overdubs and the magic that he brings. End quote. Bruciani rejoined the band in December 2019 after a decade-long absence, displacing Josh Klinghoffer, who was the guitarist in his absence. After taking two months off at the beginning of the pandemic, the Peppers formed a COVID bubble and began rehearsing with just one tech guy in the room. They spent months writing songs uninterrupted before entering the studio early this year. Quote, We're going to play some festivals that obviously got postponed, says Smith, so we could just plow through and write. And that's what we did. It was kind of a blessing because we want to come out with new music and to play some new songs. It's going to be great when we finally go out next year and have a record to play and a bunch of other stuff, obviously. End quote. The band tried not to dwell on the challenge of living up to past triumphs with Frusciani from Blood Sugar Sex Magic to Californication, which is personally one of my favorite records of all time. Quote, You can't really think about that, says Smith. All of our records are just real good snapshots of where we're at that time. You can't really go, oh gee, I hope it's as good as... Then you're starting to have preconceived notions about what you want to write. Look, John hasn't been in our group in 10 years. That's a long time. So of course it's going to sound different, but it's going to sound like the four of us because we do have this special chemistry together. It sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers, but it's different and new. And to me, that's great. We really like it and we're proud of it. And it has to start there. If other people like it, great. If people compare it to this or say it doesn't sound like that, we have no control over that. But yeah, we're all really happy with the record, end quote. I am definitely looking forward to this, you guys. I am a massive fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers when John Frusciani is a part of the team. So look for that. No release date as of yet, but it's going to be out before their tour, which is starting next June. The more I see, the less I know. So I follow Dan Wilson. He's the lead singer of Semisonic. If you know the band, closing time. No, 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 no. Okay, but I follow him on Instagram and he always has like little nice words of wisdom. But here's something that he was saying that I thought was awesome to share to any songwriter out there, anyone putting a record together. This is for you. Laptops and laptop production have given everybody the impression that they need to learn how to make records all alone. Given everyone the impression that they even can make records all alone. When, in fact, that's the opposite of the truth. What you need to learn how to do is to make music with other people. Not everybody can do everything in the process. And there's always someone around who can do a bunch of the things better than you. Your job is to do the thing you do best in a context with other people doing the best they can at what they're great at. And that's where greatness comes from. 
Okay. Let's be clear. Vaccination requirements should not be another issue that divides us. That's why we continue to battle the misinformation that's out there. And companies and communities are setting up their, uh, stepping up as well to combat these, the misinformation. Southwest Airlines, at the head of the pilot, the head of the pilot's union and its CEO, dismissed critics who claim vaccination mandates contributed to flight disruptions. School board members, religious leaders, and doctors across the country are fighting misinformation and educating people about the importance of vaccines. All these efforts are going to help us continue moving the dial to eliminate this disease. Let's be clear. Let's 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 be clear. All these efforts are going to help. All these efforts are going to help us continue moving the dial. Let's be clear. Let's 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 be clear. All these efforts are going to help us continue moving the dial. Ah, shut up, Joe Biden. No one cares. Welcome back to Exit the Cult from LifeSite News. NBA All-Star Kyrie Irving refuses to get COVID shot despite season-long suspension and media pressure. NBA player Kyrie Irving has refused to comply with the New York City COVID-19 vaccine mandate despite being suspended by his club for the entirety of the upcoming NBA season. The 29-year-old Brooklyn Nets basketball player took to Instagram yesterday for a 24-minute live stream saying he will not be pressured into taking the jab. The day before, Nets general manager Sean Marks announced that Irving would be unable to practice or play with his team because he is unvaccinated. Throughout the live stream, Irving condemned the divisions that the vaccine mandate has created between vaccinated and unvaccinated people and insisted that he is on no one's side but had to make a decision for himself. The seven-time All-Star stressed that his decision to go on Instagram to speak out was not politically motivated, but that he felt he needed to address his fans directly in order to prevent others from misrepresenting him. Despite describing basketball as his passion, Irving said he was convinced that what is currently happening in the world is bigger than just a game of basketball. And he's not wrong. He's absolutely right. The Nets player said that he is saddened that some people have demonized him because of his decision. He also complained that no exemptions are being granted and argued that everyone should have a right to choose what to inject into their body. He's not wrong. This is absolute tyranny. Like, this is tyranny. And we are seeing in real time people having to stand up. And it's really bizarre to watch because this should have never happened. This whole COVID-19 pandemic is a fraud. Now, people are getting sick. I'm not saying the illnesses are a fraud. I'm saying what has come of this, the tyranny that is coming of this, the mandates, this is an absolute fraud and will go down as such in history. Here's Kyrie. Um, I just care about our world a lot. And if I'm going to be demonized for that, um, at least let me go out on my own accord. You know, first things first, uh, this isn't about me and it's not about me dispelling, uh, you know, what's being said about me particularly or for anybody. It's just saying... You know, I'm standing with all those that, uh, you know, believe in what's right and are doing what's right for themselves. You know, everybody has a personal choice with their lives. Uh, You know, everybody has a right to feel a certain type of way. Everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Everybody's entitled to to do what they feel is best for themselves, you know, and, and putting me as a hero or painting me as a villain, sort of say, or going against the vaccine mandates like that wasn't that wasn't my intent at all. And to be sitting in this seat here and seeing, you know, the way that this is dividing our world up, you know, being vaccinated or being unvaccinated, uh, you know, it's just sad to see. 
Uh, it's, it's creating a lot of division, a lot of confusion, you know, a lot of people saying things that are untrue. Um, we're not giving space for each other to speak. You know, you got doctors out here working hard, physicians out here working hard, and um, everybody's trying to do what's best for them and their families, which I respect. And I'm always going to put that first. You know, everybody out there, it's not, you know, listening to me or, or making this about me or painting this picture like, yo, I'm the voice of reason, so you should do this. Nah, like it's just about staying real and staying true to who you are and making the choice for you what's best. You know, everybody has their own family. Everybody has their own tribe. You know, everybody has their own issues or traumas that they're dealing with, trying to heal from. And, and I'm just trying to support as best I can. You know, I'm a I'm a hoop I'm a hooper. Uh, you know, I've been a hooper since I was, you know, down there four years old. And uh, you know, coming into the NBA, I, I just had a dream to play ball at a high level. And, you know, I didn't anticipate all this coming with it. Um, but if I am going to be uh, responsible for my own life, then I got to speak on things that that truly matter to me. You know, I had to stop running away from using my voice and using my platform to. Uh, you know, speak on what's true and what's mine. You know, nobody's going to hijack my voice. Nobody's going to take the power away from me that I have for speaking on these things, you know, and don't believe that I'm retiring. Don't believe that, <laughs> you know, I'm going to give up this game uh, for a vaccine mandate or staying unvaccinated. Don't believe any of that shit, man. Like, like really be aware of what's being said. Uh, before I even get a chance to be on the podium and speak for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, all these people saying all these things about what's going on with me, and it's just not true. Pay attention to what's going on out in the real world. You know, people are losing their jobs to these mandates. Uh, people are having to make choices with their own lives, which I respect. You know, and and I don't want to um, sit here and, and play on people's emotions either. Just use logic. You know, what would you do? You know, if, if you felt uncomfortable going into the season uh, when you were promised that you would have exemptions or that you didn't have to be forced to get the vaccine, you know, this wasn't an issue uh, before the season started. This this wasn't something that I foresaw coming where I prepared for it. And, uh, you know, I had a, a chance to strategize on what was going to be best for me and my family. I came into the season uh, thinking that I was just going to be able to play ball, you know, be able to use my my talent uh, to continue to, uh, you know, inspire, influence people in the right way. You know, this, like putting this on me is just like, why are you putting it on me? You know, like this, this is not part of, uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on in conversations with scientists, physicians and doctors. I'm, I'm just a hooper, right? Like I'm, I'm just a person uh, who, who's being utilized as, as an example. For some odd reason, you know, people love to have my name in the mix of just some BS, like just hearing the way people speak so con you know with so much conviction about what I should be doing with my life and and what you know my teammates should be feeling about me what the organization be feeling about me and to be honest with you if you really know me I mean and you see what I do out there I put in a lot of time into my craft you know I don't I'm not sitting here to give y'all information, give y'all a whole bunch of, you know, my wisdom beyond my years and knowledge. Nah, I'm just here to stay real. I'm always going to stay true to me. And that's me. You know, this is my life. I get to do whatever I want with this. This is one body that I get here. One God body that I get here. 
And you telling me what to do with my body, and it has nothing to do with the organization. I'm gonna put that out there. It has nothing to do with the Nets. It has nothing to do with my teammates. This has everything to do with what's going on in our world. And I'm being grouped in to something that's bigger than than just the game of basketball. And you know, you got that that fandom, you know, which is like a religion to people out here. Basketball is like a religion. Entertainment is like a religion to people. They like get so caught up emotionally. It's just like, yo. F and get vaccinated or just leave. You know, we anger at what you're doing, man. And it's just like, nah, that's like, what are you talking about? I'm a human being. I have emotions. I have feelings. I have thoughts, uh, things that I keep to myself, things that I share. Uh, but I'm staying grounded in what I believe in. It's just as simple as that. It's not about being anti-vax or about being, uh, you know, on one side or the other. Like, it, it's just really about being true to what feels good for me. Uh, you know, I'm still uncertain about a lot of things, that, and that's okay. You know, if I'm going to be demonized for having more questions and taking my time to make a decision with my life, then that's just what it is. And he's absolutely right. I mean, we have never in history been pushed. I know people say, no, we've had vaccines forever. These, they've been working on these vaccines forever. People keep saying that. It's not true. It's not true. They're just repeating what the media is telling them. And what the media is doing is they're covering for the big pharmaceutical companies who are a part of the planning of this pandemic, I would call it. When you look at Crimson Contagion, which I've, I, a couple shows back I talked about, Event 201, they knew this was going to happen. This is the way they had to make their move to get everyone under this one rule government. And to do that, they have to have this digital currency, this digital ID system. And so they've been rolling it out. They rolled out this pandemic, created a bioweapon, and essentially just used the, the tool of the media to propagandize, propagandize us into a state of hypnosis. And those who have completely woken up to this understand what's going on. And it doesn't take... Any more than that, when you, when you kind of live in a world where you think, oh, these people are, they're just, they're just looking out for my best interests. They're not. You have to get over that. You really have to fucking wake up and smell the coffee. That shit is over. So Kyrie, we here at Exit the Cult completely stand behind you and support 100%. You're a badass. I believe we are enslaved in a society where we will not be free to think or feel or do anything other than consume. Slaves for work, to buy things beyond our means, living in fear of terrorism. I believe this is to blindside us, trick us into a situation where they, the powers that be, will wipe us out. Kill most of us. Kill all of us here. They are going to reduce the population. That is what I believe. It's sad to think that there may need to be a population limit on the Earth. Maybe there does. We can't keep on doing what we're doing. There will be a global population reduction until there are only 500 million people there. Although I believe that this planet can support 2 billion humans perfectly. How do you know that? It's a question of space and the resources that space has. And using those resources to survive and not exploiting them. Almost 7 billion humans use too many resources. This leads to a very uncertain future for us all. 
Welcome back to Exit the Cult. From Zero Hedge, Sanjay Gupta tucks tail back at CNN after disastrous Rogan interview. To the surprise of absolutely nobody, CNN is in major damage control mode after Joe Rogan slammed the network over their coverage of his use of ivermectin as part of a cocktail he used to treat COVID-19. Very important. I know it was in, in large part a tongue-in-cheek interview, you know, because it's Joe Rogan and there's a lot you're jockeying back and forth. But he, he did say something about ivermectin that I think wasn't actually correct about CNN and lying, okay? Ivermectin is a drug that is commonly used as a horse dewormer. So it is not a lie to say that the drug is used as a horse dewormer. I, I think that's important, and it is not approved for COVID. Correct? That's right. That's correct. It, it, it is not approved for COVID, and you're right. I mean, the FDA even put out a, a statement saying, you know, basically reminding people it was a strange sort of message from the FDA, but that said, you're not a horse, you're not a cow, stop taking this stuff, is essentially what they said, referring to ivermectin. Now, I think what, what Joe's point that is... That has been approved is that for humans, and, but not necessarily for COVID, right? Yeah. That's correct. It's been, it's been used for a parasitic disease for something It's called river blindness, and it's been very effective for that. But, you know, just because it works for one thing doesn't mean it works for something else. Right. And, you know, there's still a few ongoing clinical trials around ivermectin. But for the most part, if you look at the data, there's no evidence that it, that it really works here. When Joe got sick, he took ivermectin. He also took monoclonal antibodies, mm -hmm. which is, you know, an infusion of these antibodies. So he took both those things. It's, it's, it's very likely it was the monoclonal antibodies that made him feel better so quickly. Sanjay, always a pleasure. I hope this was an easier uh, experience <laughs> than Joe Rogan. You held your own, though. It's very good. Three hours. I mean, I don't think I've ever spoken to another human for three hours before just like that. It was really something. <laughs> Sanjay, thank you. <laughs> Sanjay, thank you. And what kind of a human being has never sat down with someone for three hours to have a conversation? I had so many of those in my life. Those are the best conversations. When you get deep with someone, this guy... What the hell? That's just bizarre to me. Whatever. I'm putting too much attention on that one statement, but it's just weird. Come on. Three-hour conversation? That's when it's starting to get good. Note how CNN's framing is absolutely disingenuous, with Lemon suggesting they didn't slander Rogan for taking horse dewormer, while Gupta lied when he said there's no evidence that ivermectin really works against COVID. So when Joe Rogan came out, basically saying that he healed himself, here's how Anderson Cooper framed the story at CNN. Up next, there's breaking news. Joe uh, Rogan, a popular comedian and podcaster who's told his listeners the COVID vaccine is not necessary for young people, just disclosed he has COVID. He also acknowledged taking a controversial treatment designed for animals. That's coming up. Oh, his face, his little smirk. He's so full of shit. He knows the reason they're doing this is because it's a propaganda campaign against anyone finding any other way to heal themselves. You got to get the vaccine. It's all about getting the vaccine. That's what this is. But you see the smirk on his face when you watch that video. It's just, oh. Here's from Glenn Greenwald on Twitter. Notice what a little worm Sanjay Gupta is. When he had to confront Rogan face to face, he admitted CNN lied about him and shouldn't have said what he said. Then back on CNN, pressured by Lemon, he stuttered and obfuscated. Look at the difference. Horse dewormer's not a flattering thing. I get it's that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network. It, it, and it's it, a lie that's a willing 
that's that's a lie that they're conscious of. This is not a mistake. Yeah. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Well, the FDA put this thing out. You saw that. Did you see that thing that the FDA put out? What did the FDA put out? <laughs> it was a tweet, and it was snarky. I admit it. They said, you are not a horse, you are not a cow. Stop taking this stuff, or something like Why that. Why would you say that when you're talking about a drug that's been given out to billions and billions of people, a drug that was responsible for one of the inventors of it making the Nobel Prize, the Nobel Prize in 2015. 15, yeah. yeah no, a, a drug well, that has been shown to stop viral replication in vitro. You know that, right? I, I, Why would they lie and say that's horse dewormer? I can afford people medicine, motherfucker. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's just a lie. I don't think anyone is thick. But don't you think that a lie like that is dangerous on a news network when you know that they know they're lying? You know that they know that I took medicine. Like, here it is. This is ivermectin. You got this it with it right you. here. Somebody gave it to me. All right, hang on. I, I, do you, the, the thing is, we're, we're like going so fast. Like, I feel like I'm missing. I'm missing. Do you think I want that that's to, a problem that your news network not, lies? Well, I don't. I don't. Dude, I mean, what did they say? They lied what and they said say? I was taking horse dewormer. First of all, it was prescribed to me by a doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Along they with shouldn't have said a it was bunch horse. of if, other if medications. Was, if you got a human pill because there were people that were taking it the veterinary medication and i you're not obviously you got it from a doctor so that it shouldn't be called that ivermectin can be a very effective medication for parasitic disease and as you say it's probably you know i think what a quarter billion people have taken it around the world more, i get that way more so way more can, billions can, of people have taken it can i just come back to the one i want to talk about I, two, no no two, no, no, two no, things no. On you the have ledger. To, you have before we get to that does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer. They, they, they shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? I don't know. You didn't ask? You I didn't think that was your, did, you're the medical guy over there. I didn't ask. I should have asked before But they did it with such glee. No, yes, Joe. Yes, did. I watched. No, Joe. I mean, look at the, ah, the face he makes. It's that face people make when they know they're lying and they just have, they're just lying in front of you and you caught them. It's that weird side smirk. Anderson Cooper does it. Any freaking news anchor on mainstream media, they all have this side smirk, weird, snaky grin that they do because they know they're lying. They're actors. Let's continue on the article. Joe Rogan went off big on CNN during an interview with the network's chief medical correspondent, Sanjay Gupta, who appeared on the Star's Spotify podcast on Wednesday. During the exchange, Gupta conceded that his network's framing of ivermectin, a widely prescribed antiparasitic, which has shown tremendous efficacy in treating COVID-19, was wrong. At least he can admit it was wrong. I mean, so what? Is CNN going to issue an apology? I doubt it. What do you think these networks do when they're caught in these little lies like this? So Joe also speaks about Jim Acosta's interview with Dr. Fauci on CNN and how they were basically uh, slandering Joe Rogan and lying to the public. Uh, you've had a debunk misinformation coming from some high places uh, throughout this pandemic. Some of the latest uh, Foxes, Tucker Carlson, uh, he's been defending counter, uh, counterfeit vaccine cards. Let's uh, just watch a little bit of that. Buying a fake vaccination card is an act of desperation by decent law-abiding Americans who have been forced into a corner by tyrants. You know what's a serious crime? Forcing Americans to take drugs they don't need or want. That's a very serious crime. And let's hope in the end someone is punished for it severely. 
And uh, the uh, podcast host, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin, uh, as well as other, uh, ver- you know, other treatments that pe- people talk about on the Internet and so on, doesn't have any effect on COVID, obviously. Did you ever expect that you would have, uh, I guess, to compete with the likes of Tucker Carlson and, and Joe Rogan, uh, Dr. Fauci? And are their voices... Uh, more powerful uh, and, I guess, more widespread than uh, people like yourself, uh, other public health experts who are out there. And is that, isn't that part of the problem? Well, uh, Jim, disinformation and misinformation is really a very serious issue when it comes to a public health issue like COVID-19, in which it is essential to get correct information out, both for people who are infected and who do need proper medication and proper care to foster things that are unproven right from the beginning has always been a problem. The best way to counter disinformation and misinformation is to try as best as we all can to get the proper and correct information out. But one of the enemies of public health is disinformation and unfortunately, We do see that in some quarters. So did you catch that? He's basically saying Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan are enemies. One of the enemies of public health. Listen to that again. One of the enemies of public health is disinformation. And unfortunately, we do see that in some quarters. We do see that in some quarters. That guy's a fucking Dracula. So Glenn Greenwald goes on to say on Twitter... Over the last five years, the most disinformation, lies, and demented conspiracy theories, and the most damage done, have emanated from the corporate media outlets that sermonize most. And they're the most sinister because they want to censor speech so only their lies are heard. This is not hyperbole. In the liberal sector of the corporate media, by far the largest and the most dominant wing, lying and disinformation are not prohibited or even frowned up. It's encouraged and rewarded as long as it's directed at the ideological enemies of their audience. People have caught on to the fact that the least trustworthy and honest sources of information are these corporate media outlets. After the frauds of the Iraq war and Russiagate, how could they not? These outlets see the same data we do showing this. And then there's a link to America's trust in media dips to second lowest on record. It's an article by the Gallup poll. People do not trust the mainstream media anymore. It's a very small group of people far-left liberals living in major cities who are completely stuck in a bubble. Greenwald goes on to say on his Twitter, this is why there is no higher priority for liberal corporate outlets, literally no higher priority than inducing more and more internet censorship. They want to silence the independent voices documenting their lies and eliminate all competitors to create a captive audience. This is what happens when countries move into communism. It's crazy. He also goes on to say that Rogan clip I posted above, which is the Joe Rogan clip from an anonymous small Twitter account already has 1.8 million views. The real number is way higher since others also posted it. It's been years since CNN got anywhere close to 1.8 million watching their network. Therein lies the desperation. I mean, if that's not a face, bitch, eat that CNN clown news network, you bunch of liar, liar, pants on fires. 
There was a little um, hubbub over the course of the last few days uh, about uh, Southwest Airlines. We now know that some of those claims were absolutely false and actually the issues were uh, completely unrelated to vaccine mandates. But again, what we've seen business to business across the country is this is the way to save lives, create more certainty. It's good for the economy and it's something we're looking forward to implementing. So according to Jen Psaki, these vaccine mandates are saving lives It's good for the economy, and it's good for people's feeling safer. Absolutely ridiculous. From Breitbart, Southwest cancels 1,800 flights days after pilots fight vaccine mandates. Airline claims bad weather. Just two days after the Southwest Pilots Union asked a federal judge to block the company's vaccine mandate, the airline canceled 1,800 flights this weekend, blaming bad weather. But there was no bad weather. People were posting images of the satellite, the weather system over the United States, And it was fine. Quote, Southwest Airlines canceled more than 1,800 flights this weekend, disrupting the travel plans of thousands of customers and stranding flight crews, blaming the meltdown on a combination of bad weather, air traffic control, and its own shortage of available staff. End quote. That was from CNBC. In a note to staff on Sunday, Alan Kasher, executive vice president, of daily flight operations said that the airline did not anticipate the series of disruptions that arose over the weekend. Quote, I know this is incredibly difficult for all of you and our customers are not happy. Although we were staffed for the weekend, we could not anticipate the significant disruption that was created from unexpected ATC issues and bad weather across our Florida stations. The FAA said bad weather and staffing issues in Florida contributed to a few hours of flight delays on Friday afternoon at the Jacksonville Air Route Traffic Control Center, which controls airspace in five parts of Alabama, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Chris Bianchi, a meteorologist out of Denver, told CNBC that he did not see the type of severe weather that would have caused massive flight delays. Quote, Based on what I've seen, there didn't appear to be any high-impact weather that would have significantly affected Southwest operations yesterday or today. End quote. On Friday, the Southwest Airlines Pilots Association filed a lawsuit asking that a federal judge, quote, temporarily block the company from carrying out federally mandated coronavirus vaccinations until an existing lawsuit over alleged U.S. labor law violations is resolved, end quote. The new vaccine mandate unlawfully imposes new conditions of employment, and the new policy threatens termination of any pilot not fully vaccinated by December 8th, 2021. The legal filing said Southwest Airlines' additional new and unilateral modification of the party's collective bargaining agreement is in clear violation of the RLA, end quote. Southwest Airlines said that it disagrees with SWAPA's claims that any COVID-related changes over the past several months require negotiation, adding that the company will continue working with the union it keeps, navigating challenges presented by the ongoing pandemic. Despite the peculiar timing of the cancellations, SWAPA leaders told CNBC that pilots were not participating in a massive strike, blaming the airline's poor planning. We can say with confidence that our pilots are not participating in any official or unofficial job actions. Quote, our pilots will continue to overcome SWA management's poor planning, as well as any external operational challenges and remain the most productive pilots in the world. End quote. Further adding to the mayhem, Forbes reported that American Airlines canceled just 63 flights, or 2% of its schedule, and Spirit Airlines canceled 32% of its flights, or 4% of its planned departures. Whether or not pilots staged a mass protest, people on Twitter expressed support for their fight against the company's vaccine mandate. 
Here is Southwest CEO Gary C. Kelly addressing the fallout after the airline canceled more than 2,000 flights over the weekend. Gary, thanks for joining us this morning. How is the situation today? Thanks, George. It's great to be back. Uh, well, yeah, things are much improved today, and, and essentially all this uh, starts with a series of FAA Florida uh, delay programs on Friday. About half of our airplanes touched the state of Florida. Uh, Orlando, as an example, had a ground stop for seven hours. Uh, so it just put the airline way behind on Friday. Uh, so there were no ATC issues over the weekend, that's absolutely true. But I think any, you know, any industry expert knows that it takes several days if you have that large of an impact uh, on the operation so to get the airplanes where they need to be and then to match the crews up with that. And I completely agree with Captain Murray. Uh, our people are doing a phenomenal job. Uh, they're working very, very hard. Uh, and of course, I want to apologize to all of our customers uh, this is not this is not what we want, but um, unfortunately, it just takes a couple of days to uh, get things back on track. So things are much smoother today. We have a few more cancellations uh, than we would normally have, but uh, uh, things are pretty well back to normal. I know Spirit Airlines had some trouble as well, but it seems like Southwest really bore the brunt of this. Why? Why Southwest? Well, I think it's about what I said. I think over half of our fleet touches the state of Florida. We have a linear route system. We're just different. And, you know, I can't really speak to uh, what their issues were or weren't. Uh, everyone was impacted on Friday, uh, and everyone was impacted in a, in a very big way. Seeing a lot of people invested in this idea that this is somehow related to vaccine mandates. There's just no evidence of that. Uh, you know, as I said, and as Captain Murray said, our people are working very hard. Uh, they're doing a great job. I'm very proud of them, uh, and especially when we get into a difficult situation like this, uh, they're also delayed. They're also ending up in places uh, that they didn't expect. So, uh, no, our people are doing a, a phenomenal job. And the vaccine mandate obviously is controversial, and uh, it's not anything that, that I wish for our company. Uh, this is a government mandate. It's a presidential order. Uh, and we're doing our best to comply with that uh, according to the deadlines that, that have been set. Um, we're not going to fire any employees over this. We're urging all of our employees to get vaccinated. If they can't get vaccinated, uh, we're urging them to seek an accommodation. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll do everything we can to support our people here. So there you have it. Gary Kelly basically explaining to the people that there was a mandate that was imposed by the federal government, and they're just trying to do the best they can to be obedient, to be an obedient little corporation. And that's the beauty of the federal government going, well, we can't do it by law, but what we can do is pressure all the corporations that all of the people, all these little ants and fleas and rats have to rely on us. And they're going to be mandated through the corporations. So you can take your vaccine. Do as I say. Hell, Fauci. It's, it's, it's a fucking joke. 22 months into COVID, we have all the information needed to paint a clear picture of what's going on. We know that Anthony Fauci, who has done all this before in the 1980s with HIV, AZT, and AIDS, was illegally working with the communist Chinese via the NIH to create a highly contagious bat coronavirus in Wuhan, China. 
We know that the PCR test was used to fraudulently create a flood of false positives to legitimize the FDA's emergency vaccine authorization. We know that the COVID vaccines are not vaccines, but rather highly controversial mRNA tech that failed miserably on its animal trials, a type of gene therapy that several top scientists warn will kill you if you can't keep it from spreading throughout the body, which is exactly what it is doing. We know that no matter how deadly these experimental shots are, the company selling them will not be held liable. It is all being taken care of by taxpayer dollars. We know that the ingredients are a big secret and they don't want you to know what's in them. And we know that some are getting saline placebos, But now we are learning what these experimental jabs are actually doing. Dr. Ryan Cole, a pathologist running the biggest independent testing lab in Idaho, described how the mRNA shots are causing serious autoimmune disorders. The first shot stifles the production of lymphocytes, which cripples the immune system, resulting in a massive increase of autoimmune diseases and cancers. The blood work presented by Dr. Nathan Thompson shows the same. And after receiving the second shot, their immune system begins to fail even more. According to one of the top virologists running this program, you need the booster shot because your immune system is now failing as a result of getting the previous two shots. The data consistently shows that these shots are causing massive cellular mutation throughout the entire body often wherever the recipient is most vulnerable. We know that some of these shots are contaminated with mysterious objects that appear to grow into other objects. For what purpose, we don't know. But we do know that our government, along with the entire pop culture media machine, are blocking life-saving treatments while keeping them for themselves while pushing the deadly kill shot on the public and creating a segregated society. We know without a doubt that these mRNA injections are killing people. While some may get lucky with saline placebos, most are having their immune system destroyed from the inside out. We know these things because at this point, the evidence is overwhelming. And we know that it's the big banks calling all the shots for their great reset, which they claim is a transhumanist utopia, a cure to climate change. But who knows? What we all instinctively know is how to stop them. For Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. Remember that time Hollywood host Mario Lopez went on the Candace Owens show and said something that he had to apologize publicly for? Well, here's that clip. You know, and I always say, if you come from a place of love, you, you know, you, you really can't go wrong. But at the same time, my God, if you're three years old and you're saying you're feeling a certain way, you're, 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 you think you're a boy or a girl, whatever the case may be, I, 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 I just think it's dangerous as a parent to make that determination then, okay, well, then you're going to be a boy or a girl, whatever the case may be. And it's, it's sort of alarming. And my gosh, I just think about the repercussions later on. Right. Lopez later apologized for the comments he made, citing that they were ignorant and insensitive. But were they really? Welcome back to Exit the Cult. From Yahoo News, Damon Wayans compares Dave Chappelle to Van Gogh, says he's freed the slaves with Netflix special. 
Damon Wayans defended Dave Chappelle when speaking with TMZ in light of the controversy surrounding the comedian's new Netflix special, The Closer. In the show, Chappelle criticized those trying to cancel J.K. Rowling for her turf, which is uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminist comments, said gender is a fact and described himself as team turf. Chappelle has faced backlash in the past for his jokes about the trans community. Speaking to TMZ, Wayans, best known for his role in My Wife and Kids, compared Chappelle to the artist Van Gogh. Quote, I feel like Dave freed the slaves. Yeah, the comedians, the 61-year-old actor told TMZ. We were slaves to PC culture, and he just, you know, as an artist, he's Van Gogh. He cut his ear off. He's trying to tell us it's okay. I've always been free. I just think he's saying, you know what? All that I have, I'm not afraid to lose it for the sake of creative freeness of speech. You can't edit yourself. Comedians, we're like, Mercedes makes a great car, but you got to crash a lot of them before they're perfect. When asked about the content of the show, Wayne's responded, I can't speak about the content of the show, but what I say is, there's a bigger conversation we need to have. Someone needs to look us in the eye and go, you're no longer free in this country. You're not free to say what you want. You say what we want you to say, otherwise we will cancel you. That's the discussion we should have. So, he's not wrong. Comedians are basically the court jesters. That's why the king always had a, a jester because it was the one person in the room that could make fun of the king and the king would laugh because he would say the shit people needed to hear. He would speak truth. That's where we're at. Welcome back to the dark ages. Dave Chappelle is doubling down on his jokes amid controversy surrounding his new Netflix special, The Closer. Comedian took center stage Thursday night at the Hollywood Bowl for a sold out show, performing to a crowd that included Brad Pitt, Tiffany Haddish, Stevie Wonder, John Hamm, and more. While the comedian did not repeat any of the jokes in the special that have been loudly rejected, he did have a few things to say on cancel culture, saying, if this is what being canceled is like, I love it. At another point, he was more blunt. Twitter, NBC News, ABC News, all these stupid ass networks. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. This is real life. Many in the LGBTQ community, in particular trans women, have objected to the comic's Netflix special after Chappelle used their real lives, bodies, and gender identity as punchlines in The Closer. On the topic of gender, Chappelle said in the special, gender is a fact. Every human being in this room, every human being on earth, had to pass through the legs of a woman to be on earth. That is a fact. He also sided with Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling by identifying as Team Turf, a term that means trans-exclusionary radical feminist, an ideology that excludes trans women as women. I'm Team Turf. The National Black Justice Coalition called for The Closer to be pulled from the streamer and glad weighed in on Twitter. Dave Chappelle's brand has become synonymous with ridiculing trans people and other marginalized communities. Jacqueline Moore, a trans writer, executive producer, and showrunner who worked on Netflix's Dear White People, also took a stand saying she will no longer work with Netflix while the company continues to put out and profit from blatantly and dangerously transphobic content. For his part, Chappelle delivered an earnest moment while he doubled down on themes so prominently displayed in the dock, do something nice for someone who looks nothing like you. We have to trust one another. So if you get a chance, it's called The Closer. It's on Netflix. It's Chappelle's latest stand-up, and I thought it was brilliant. I personally thought it was an olive branch to the LGBTQ community and all of those freaks out there that are just obsessed with canceling everybody who says anything that goes against their feelings. I'm over it. The world is over it. We're moving into a world of tyranny. No one likes it. And I think in that kind of instance, speaking truth, making fun of everyone, period, 
is the only way to rebalance the scales. This is my last special because I have an objective tonight. I'd like to start by addressing the LBGTQ community directly. And I want every member of that community to know that I come here tonight in peace. And I hope to negotiate the release of the baby. The baby was the number one streaming artist until about a couple weeks ago. He took a nasty spill on stage and said some, uh, said some wild stuff about the LBGTQ community uh, during a concert in Florida. Uh, now, you know I go hard in the paint, but even I saw that shit and was like, God damn, the baby. Ooh, he pushed the button, didn't he? He pushed the button. Punch the LBGTQ community right in the AIDS. Can't do that. Can't do that. But I do believe, and I'll, and I'll make this point later, that, that the kid made a, a very egregious mistake. I will acknowledge that. But, you know, a lot of the LBGTQ community doesn't know the baby's history. He's a wild guy. He once shot a nigga and killed him in Walmart. Oh, this is true. Google it. The baby shot and killed a nigga in Walmart in North Carolina. Nothing bad happened to his career. Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> in our country, you can shoot and kill a nigga but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. You're listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, useless eaters. I'm Bill Gates. You're listening to Exit the Cult. I'm your host, Joe Morales. Welcome back. I wanted to just kind of pop in and just say, this show was birthed because of comedy. I wanted this to be a place where I could share articles and some of the heavy things that we are all dealing with and experiencing, some more than others, obviously, and just have this place where we can kind of look at them, examine them, and laugh at them. Because really, at this point in time, that's really all you can do these days. It's just things are out of control. I think most people realize that, and most people are just in denial. And I'm just willing to look at things and put a flashlight on them and say, look at this, look at this ridiculousness. And I really feel like that is the heart of where someone like Dave Chappelle is coming from. He's got his opinions. He lives the life he lives. And it's his experience that he has the right to express however the fuck he wants. And people trying to cancel him. At this point, good luck. That guy is a master at his craft. And if you truly, with an earnest heart, watch his special, I don't really think you can walk away from it without learning something and without really just feeling like the world has really lost its collective mind. So that was uh, something I felt like uh, was important to share. So I am going to be moving at the end of November. I wasn't really anticipating this happening. And 
We put our 60 day in. So end of November, I've got to find a new place to live. I'm probably leaving LA and I'm not really exactly sure where I'm going, but most likely either to Texas, to Wisconsin, to Colorado, or to Mexico. So I have, I I might go to Tennessee. I don't know. I've lived in Nashville before and I really love that city, but I really want to be somewhere where I feel safe. And right now, like living in LA, they now have the mandates. Tonight, I can't even go to my friend's concert because I have to have a vaccine and I don't. And so the way the world is turning is not conducive to the way I want to live my life. So I'm going to move to a place that welcomes the unclean leper such as myself and to where I can feel like I'm thriving and and being a human being. Wearing masks and constantly having people approach me, ask me to wear a mask or ask if I have a vaccine passport is uh, overwhelming and it's annoying and I'm not going to I'm not going to stand for that kind of reality. So end of November I am out of LA, not sure where I'm going, but please shoot your prayers, shoot your good vibes, your meditations that the universe and God will open up my path and will send me clarity and focus so that I can transition to this next chapter of my life and I can continue to do this show wherever I land my feet. So Thank you guys for listening. If you want to support the show, I know I've just launched it. I have a Patreon page. If you go to exitthecult.com, you can get to the Patreon page or just search Exit the Cult on Patreon. Any support is extremely helpful. I want to do more bonus episodes. I have a couple in the bag, but they're out for the public to listen to. But I want to do more that are kind of a little more personal and I can get a little more in depth on some of my opinions and things like that. But I just... You know, want to thank you for listening and for supporting the show and for being here. As always, you're a badass. And uh, whatever you do, don't drink the Kool Aid. Special thanks to Joe Rogan, Greg Reese, THR, Dave Chappelle, Elf Tree Publishing, and all of our listeners here at ETC. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please reach out to us at exitthecult at protonmail.com or visit exitthecult.com. As always, be sure to check out the description for show notes and links to articles and videos featured in the episode. Have a killer weekend, and don't be a killer! If you have an interesting story or information you'd like to share with our listeners, send us an email at exitthecult at protonmail.com. Please help support the show by becoming an Exit the Cult member over at our Patreon page for exclusive content and bonus episodes. Visit exitthecult.com for details. Tune into new episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.